Hello and welcome to Geek Cinema Podcast, a podcast where my friends and I have a conversation over geeky, nerdy, and fanboy or fangirl movies alike. We're not experts, just think of us as your friends that are having a conversation and you're listening in. My name's Everett, and welcome to our episode over Prometheus. We've been going through the Alien franchise, building up to Alien Covenant, uh, starting out with technically starting out with Alien last year because it was involved in our Alien month of horror where we only did Alien-based movies. So you can go back and listen to that. And then you can listen to Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection that we just recently did all on our website, geeksandunpod.com, or this podcast app that you may be using to listen to this. I don't know if you're using it. I don't know why I assumed... I'll stop doing that, and I'll just let you know there are spoilers for the movie, as well as the rest of the Alien franchise, uh, including some comics, if that matters to you, as well as the Something Ricked This Way Comes episode of Rick and Morty, and I think that's all. So, uh, enjoy the conversation, guys. How is everybody? I'm good. Dead inside. It's hot. Good. Have you guys watched anything? Since uh, we did Resurrection. We watched your movie that I don't like and I never want to watch again. You did watch Blade Runner. Yeah. Did you like it? Finally. I hated it. I know you hated it. No, Blade Runner has been on my list. I expected you to hate it. For years and years. The only entertaining part of that movie, and I didn't like it, but it was entertaining, was that guy's house. Yeah. The toy maker? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's where the uh, inspiration for the DC villain came from. (laughs) Really? Fell asleep. Mm -hmm. Uh, did you like it? I mean, you don't have to he get into like it, it, but did you like it? I absolutely loved it. No, you didn't? No, I really did. He really did, did like it. Oh, okay. I hated it. Yeah. Absolutely. It's going up there in the list. It made no sense to well, me. Well, if you want to talk about it, like, it'd be great. It actually, uh... I have a compelling yeah, argument the, against it. And I guess probably <laughs> September we can do an episode. It connects to Alien. Because we won't really be able to but do... We probably won't have time to do an episode in October over the new one. So we'll probably have to do that in November. Okay. Uh, Cause October will be all horror movies. Horror. We're going to do the universal ones this year. Yep. I'm There's so excited. Lot, so we yeah. got to either drop some or we gotta, yeah. uh, do a couple I of I finally weekenders. watched Underworld. Oh, was that? Um, Is it the new one? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There was too much going on. It was kind of hard to tell. Interesting. Okay. I haven't seen it yet. Um, it wasn't what I was expecting. Did you like the fourth one? N- meh. Meh. I did. I liked it better than that. Okay. Um, and then I also watched Passengers. Mm-hmm. I really liked Passengers. I've not seen, or you, I don't think I've even heard of Passengers. Seth, did you watch anything? No. All right. Well, I watched something. <laughs> I watched something. Uh, Something that I wanted, that I felt would fit with this podcast, uh, with this episode specifically, um, a little bit of perspective because we have Alien, and Alien happened in 1979, and then then here we are at like 2012. So we we have the huge gap between Prometheus and Alien, and I got morbidly curious and was thinking about late sequels. We had talked about late sequels once upon a time on here. And I watched the second Independence Day. Oh, yeah. And I like don't it. like the original Independence Day. But I was like, it, I don't like the original Independence Day because it wasn't what I wanted as a kid. Right. 
and that was like when they were marketing it it was all centered around the aliens and it was all like the toy they had toys and they had toy commercials that featured aliens and like what looked like the movie was going to be but what the movie was not and and I really liked the second Independence Day because it was what I wanted Independence Day 1 to be. There was like battles uh like between uh soldiers and the aliens. We saw what goes on and how the aliens work. Like there hmm. wasn't it was more like you got more of the mythos and yeah. I felt that fit in with Prometheus because we get we were supposed to get more of the mythos here. Yeah. But I liked it. I also liked the fact that they didn't rely on necessarily a a huge name to carry the movie, like uh, a big star. Hmm. Because whenever Independence Day, the original came out, nobody in that movie was a huge star. The biggest star, arguably, was Jeff Goldblum, who wasn't, you know, wasn't the biggest star. Because Will Smith, had, like that was he the was movie the hottest that, rapper on the scene, right? Mm-hmm. He was the hottest rapper on the scene, and that is the movie that made Will Smith. Um, but here, like, you don't have that. Um, and I don't know. I really, I liked it. Um, I wasn't, some of the CG looked terrible though. Some yeah, of I looked, thought the same thing. It's like some scenes looked fantastic and other parts it was like, did this get ripped out of a video game? Probably ran out of money and they were like, we gotta add something here. Yeah. And I mean like, I and I appreciated the new, like some of the new dynamics and new cast, like Jeff Goldblum's, I guess, wife or whatever she was. Bye-bye. Um, yeah. She was a nymphomaniac. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I okay. know what movie you're talking about. I don't remember. I only remember three characters from that movie. She well, she was the main character. character telling the story. You brought that up during the podcast. Yeah, I did. Yeah, she plays the scientist girl in Independence Day Resurgence. Yeah, she was like Jeff she's Goldblum's. like studying the circles oh. or stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I liked her. I've already forgotten the movie. Yeah. It. It was. We all liked it too. Did like, you? Even Trent. It is not the most memorable mu- movie. Trigger. Trigger movie. Huh? It was, well, the funny thing is, we discussed like the whole movie. We were like, "It's a, it's a good movie." We were all saying good things about it, but the one thing that was bad, uh, Seth, I think it's the only thing he remembers now because I've already always brought it up, and it's the fact that they just glaze over the fact that Jeff Goldblum had a wife in the first movie, mm-hmm. and she's, she's never gone. brought up. It's like a. It was like a big story thing Which with the first one. I, it, it, was just... a, it was a cutting room floor thing, apparently, because I watched an interview of Jeff Golden when trying to figure out what happened, and he said she's going to be talk, brought up in the movie. There's and one line. There's one line that tells you something happened, and that's whenever the dad sees the new girl with Jeff Goldblum. Says something along the lines of like, oh, wait a minute, there's a new woman in your life? Hmm. There's one line, and that was... Because I was kind of... I was like... I was remembering... Like, I thought he had a wife or something. I was yeah. like, maybe I'm just misremembering. But then there was a line, and I looked oh, it up. they and were like, divorced, oh. yeah, that's so a it bi- doesn't It's matter. a big, like, plot point of the original, because they're yeah. divorced, and then the end of the world is bringing them back together. And now here and they are again, and they're, they're gone. gone. Yeah. <laughs> She's so. just unspoken of. But yeah, like it bothered me. Matter. I think it must have been the cutting room floor thing, because... Bad storytelling. I think it doesn't matter. It's bad storytelling. Most people don't remarry someone they divorce. Very it's true. that. It's just... That was like a big. I'm part sure of that they had a great movie. fling and then realized, okay, I remember why. Pretty I much, because like, wasn't there a scene <laughs> in the original where they disappear for a while and then they like they come into a room? They're like, "Where have you been?" They're like, "Sorry, we got caught up." It's like we know what you were doing in Area 51. Um, 
but yeah, so I watched that and that was that was it. But uh, I thought it was uh, I wanted to see a late sequel. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for this? I guess depending on how much you've got written down there. All that. Mm-mm. That's a lot of pages. I, uh, I I last I count like thirty two pages. Oh my. Oh there dear. is so much history here. <laughs> There's so much history, and we won't talk about everything here because some of the stuff I wrote down. Right, and before that, I want to get in case. everybody's history. Obviously, you've been an Alien fan since childhood. Right. And I never saw any of the movies. This was my first movie of the franchise. Really? With, with the exception. Oh, if yeah, you, it was because we didn't If watch. you count the Predator movies, I'd seen part of Predator. Okay. But you hadn't seen AVP or anything like I'd that. seen part of AVP, too. Okay. The first one. Those are my only two connections. All right. I didn't care for AVP of what I saw, and Predator was good, but we're not including those. So Prometheus <laughs> came out. I remember the trailers looking cool and everything. It hit Blu-ray, and uh, before me and Kendall got married, I went over to her house to and s- said, could we watch this movie? And so mm-hmm. we rented it, and Seth was there. Yeah. And Yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah. At that point. Okay. So this is my second time seeing it. All right. Uh, this is actually probably only my fourth time watching it. Maybe tops. Like I kind I got to thinking about it, and I knew I'd watched it once, and I remember watching it a second time, and I've watched it one or one or two other times, but it's always just been it's something I put on in the background sometimes. Like if I'm ri- like if I'm working on something because I work from home sometimes, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I'll just put on a movie that like I know no through and through or like maybe there's like a certain part of it that I want to watch and it's like I'll just play it work and when it comes to that scene I'll take a break and watch you know what I mean Hmm. so sometimes I get opportunities like that heard about this movie for a long time and we're going to talk about it let's talk about the trailer what do you remember from the trailer do you remember anything from the trailer yeah the the noise that's right (laughs) because after this Everybody, Everybody put that stupid it. fucking noise yeah. in, like, every trailer. Wah! Like, the alarm sound. Yeah. Um, I don't think I ever saw the trailer for this movie. Oh, I liked goes, it so much Wah! that I put it I put it in, the ba- like, the bottom of a, a song that my band did. <laughs> just, like, way buried deep in there, and it kind of comes in on one moment, and I kind of made a scream out of it. <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing that, uh, that most people remember from the trailer. And that, and I remember, uh, I remember the marketing shift because I was watching the mar- watching the marketing. It went from see the origin of the alien and stuff like that to mm-hmm. all of a sudden like don't mention it, pretend it's not there. Prometheus, like, yeah, I I remember watching that shift happen, and it happened it happened like over, uh, like over Christmas or something because one of the earliest trailers that came out had had the noise and had the alien reference and everything after it, even the posters was all ripped. Is it at least from the creator of or anything? No, not that I, not that I remember. It said like it would say from the mind of Ridley Scott or something like that. Hmm. Yeah. So, which the marketing is something I I would love to talk about because there's some interesting marketing here, but Seth though, Hmm. you saw it with me. I did. And I had, I didn't even know what alien was. I had no idea. Breaking my heart. Yeah, I <laughs> didn't know about the chest popper. I didn't know about anything. Seth was like a little uh, orphan boy that I picked up. Yeah, <laughs> I taught him the ways taught, of, yeah, of like Robin, movie. like cinema. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> movies. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. So like the uh when um the xenomorph shows up at the end, I'm just like, What the hell is that? Like Right. And then they end the movie? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Let's, let's talk about how we get to Prometheus, how we get from resurrection to Prometheus. This is the doomed voyage of the Betty. Uh, so after resurrection, it was a hit financially. Like they made enough in foreign markets that they were like, let's do another one. And they contracted Joss Whedon to do another one, even though he hated resurrection, but he needed the money and he wanted to, uh, he actually was, trying to get them to let him direct it it would have taken place mostly on earth sigourney weaver thought it was extremely the script was extremely boring she was not interested in going to earth uh or staying on earth Uh we made it to earth she's like let's do something else and not only that like the main arc of his script was ripley trying to retain the humanity uh in her and fighting the alien instincts it would have followed the betty team trying to take down a new whaling yutani entity and fighting aliens in a uh, metropolis setting, kind of like a Blade Runner, or very much like imagery was that of Blade Runner hmm. um, setting, uh, and it was called Alien Revelation. But like I said, Sigourney, we was not interested. So with that, Fox fired Whedon and brought back James Cameron and Ridley Scott to collaborate and bring Alien 5 to life. And they worked on it for a while. Sigourney Weaver personally wanted to see Ripley travel to the homeworld and learn the origins of the species, which Ridley Scott had had a germ of an idea of the origin of the species in the homeworld for ever since Alien, okay? Uh, But the idea excited both James Cameron and Ridley Scott, but they wanted this new film to be the Chronicles of Ripley 8 and not necessarily include aliens. Instead, maybe it would include what we now know as the engineers... And Ripley would learn, like, why they created the alien and how they created the alien. That went on from 1999 to 2002. And upon learning that Fox had brought uh, the AVP film back to life because they had shelved it before mm-hmm. and was actively developing it in parallel to Alien 5, John Carpenter left the project as he felt it was going to be another Frankenstein versus Wolfman situation and kill the validity of the fran- franchise. And this is a side note, but fun fact, and this is a quote. It was pretty cool. I think of the five Alien films, I'd rate it third. I actually liked it. I really liked it a lot, talking about Alien versus Predator. Wow. So I thought that was an interesting quote when I was digging around. Um, so Ridley Scott remained, still remained with Alien 5, um, as did Sigourney Weaver, uh, as he was fascinated by, the, by this idea of the origins of the alien and where everything came from. However... Alien vs. Predators released and Fox decides to shelve Alien 5. Part of it was finding Sigourney Weaver too much and too picky to deal with and Ridley Scott too indecisive on what he wanted to do with the franchise. In 2008, Sigourney Weaver said she would only come back if Ridley Scott or John Carpenter was involved and the story was right. And uh, let me jump over here to a page called Meanwhile... After the first film, Ridley Scott discussed his ideas for a prequel of Engineers Origins, uh, and Fox actually considered turning this into a TV series. Nineteen, there's a Fangoria issue from 1980, and has Ridley Scott discussing all about what the alien 
TV series is going to be. So much so they went into pre-production on it. Hmm. So that that could have been very, very interesting. It would not have featured Ripley. It would have just featured, it would have been a prequel and all, more about the company. Which in 1979, I cannot see how you, or 1980, I can't see how you would do something like what we just watched. No. Let alone get away with like the sets and stuff that they had on Alien. Because uh, if you think of like 1980 TV, um, Star Trek was going on around then, right? It's next gen, isn't it? No, next gen was 90s. No. No, the original series ended in 69, I believe. Okay. Well, most 1980s TV, most period, like, was just, like, it was sitcom. It was, like, one set. Maybe two or three locations. Like, think about, like, uh, like Happy Days, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, you have, like, the main bar area, and then they go a couple other places, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, or the Golden Girls. It all takes place in one house, essentially. And now... Uh, after after it's all shelved and whatnot, the story of Ripley Eight continues. This is gonna get okay. So it's gonna get a little side story, but uh, uh, but so there was a novel called Aliens: Original Sin. It was released and deemed to be canon by Fox. Uh, this kind of goes back to the Alien Operation Aliens TV series. Okay, so uh, Ripley Eight was a pilot leader of the Betty, which she now referred to as the Nest. This is her nest now. New Wayland Yutani like company is making deals deals with the engineers, trading human hosts for new technology. Uh, the engineers need the hosts to give birth to aliens so the engineers can study them and how they reproduce as the engineers' races become infertile and near extinct. Ripley and the crew set out not only to take out this new company, but eradicate the remaining engineers. Book was horribly received and only went through one print run because it was so bad because fox put this out there like this is the continuing story of <laughs> ripley 8 like they made a big uh almost like a stephen king like marketing campaign behind this book like that's like it had tv commercials wow yeah so show must go on and uh eventually fox brings alien 5 which might be a reboot now back to life in 2009 Ridley Scott comes back almost instantly due to Fox being keen on this being uh, a new non-Ripley story and possibly reboot, which Ridley Scott convinced him instead of a reboot, how about we do a prequel? How about we go back to our idea of the origins? Fox liked the idea but had one condition, condition which was Ridley Scott had to direct uh, and he wasn't allowed just to develop it. Around, around this time, Ridley Scott actually developed a lot of things but wouldn't stick with the project. And they would bring in new directors. So that was part of the deal. Ridley Scott uh, Jen then brought on the one of the writers of the film. Uh, and I can't say his last name, but I'm going to try. I think it's uh, John Spatz. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Um, brought him on board. And uh, he wrote a 20-page uh, treatment bridging uh, this yet-to-be-titled film directly to the beginning of Alien, right up to the point where we would meet the crew boarding the Nostromo. Ridley Scott liked it and so did the studio, but they asked him to rewrite it, asking John to explore more mysteries and questions unanswered by Alien, like the space jockey, for instance, which the engineer, for the longest time, was never called an engineer. The Alien fans knew it as the space jockey because it was a pilot in a room, or what we eventually figured out, what we thought was the pilot in a room of a ship, and he died. So he's a space jockey. And to leave more breathing room in the timeline, five drafts in total were written. 
before Ridley Scott felt they had the, quote, right story. Initial drafts had the Holloway and Shaw characters uh, finding proof of the engineers on Earth, then getting funding from Wayland Utani to travel to what they believed to be the engineer homeworld. At the time, this was still LV-426. When arriving to LV-426, they would find the entire planet to be a complex system of terraforming pyramids, not too dissimilar than what we just saw, and the proto-xenomorphs that had apparently, that the engineers had apparently accidentally created, which of course would overrun and kill the engineers. Um, the proto-xenomorph design is very similar to the creature seen at the end of Prometheus, mm. which is called, uh, the, they call him Deacon, and I'll get into why later, but they call him Deacon, so if I say Deacon, that's why. Uh, initially, the project was titled Alien Engineers. Then it was Alien 01 Genesis. Then it was Alien Origins. And then the best one, get this, it was LV426 in Roman numerals. Because everybody would fucking understand that, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> and then it was Alien Tomb of the Gods. And then it was Paradise. Like, they couldn't figure out what to call this thing. But they wanted to distance it from Alien. But not too much. Hmm. It was Fox who ultimately felt like the, uh, with the final script and the need for this to feel more like a reboot than a prequel, that Alien was taken completely out of the marketing title, like everything they could do, um, and chose to reframe the script around the engineers. Of course, Prometheus came from the tale of the Titan that we hear in the film, and it actually uh, came from that demand that John, the first writer on the film, changed the name of the... Uh, he, by chance, he changed the name of the script from uh, the name of the ship in the script from the Magdalene to Prometheus, as he saw the crew on board that ship uh, looking for the god who stole fire. That's where the name came from. It was John's idea from the beginning to link the engineers to the creation of mankind, and felt it would give a new dimension not only to the engineers, but to the xenomorph, who at this time was still going to be very much a part of the film. Ridley Scott would often throw in random and sometimes obtuse ideas at John and demand he find a way to fit them into the script. Like, I'm going to throw, like, like we need a we need an egg, so make an egg. But it can't be an egg. So, like the urns. We saw the urns. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of these suggestions led to the creation of David 8, though. Uh, Ridley Scott, two contrasting views of mankind would make for endless story opportunities for this and future films... To Ridley Scott at the time, uh, in many interviews, he felt this was groundbreaking filmmaking as it had never been done before. So we had never seen a god, uh, a synthetic, and then a human point of view all together. Um, while the basic structure of John's script never changed, even through the eventual rewrites, specific details would change. For instance, LV-426 became LV-223, which is interesting. Uh, early incarnations of Prometheus locating uh, had the ship Prometheus locating the derelict from Alien and Aliens. They would find one engineer left alive like they do in the film and be hunted by a single proto-xenomorph like Alien. Mm. The derelict was eventually moved underground in part of the eventual pyramid and retitled the Juggernaut, which it's not given a name in the film, but the big ship that the engineer tries to take off from is the Juggernaut. In April of 2010, concept artists artists were hired and storyboarding of what was now the fourth draft begun. We're almost, we're getting, we're getting close. It's 2010, mm. right? 
Uh, Ridley Scott some of the saw some of the interesting designs of that the concept artists had started coming up with and decided to bring in a new writer to incorporate them into the script as it was becoming too much of a burden to John. This writer was Damon Lindelof. Does that name mean anything to anybody? Yes. Lost. Oh, right. He's JJ's guy. He did Lost. With uh, with the hiring of Damon Lindelof, uh, production was officially moving from pre-production to production. The studio also had a request that uh, Ridley Scott and Lindelof uh, dial the horror and monsters back, give the engineers more mystery, and put the question of what is humanity front and center along with David Eight. They wanted David Eight to be our main character. Fox felt doing this would separate it from being just an alien prequel to a full-blown sci-fi epic that could stand on its own. Damon Lindelof eventually uh, wanted to rewrite the entire script in a way so that it took place alongside Alien and Aliens. So, like, Alien would be running, and at that same timeline, Prometheus would happen. And then Prometheus 2 would happen at the same exact time, 57 years later, which doesn't make a lot of sense, 57 years later, Mm. alongside aliens uh and so on eventually ridley scott and everybody was like this is a terrible idea like no you you can't you can't do this but it sold uh ridley scott on damon lindelof as he felt that he saw the bigger picture like he saw this as something that had to be more than just what had come before so when discussing the script with uh ridley scott lindelof said that john's script was really good and that it was a great framework just that he wanted to play up and play down certain things. For instance, he wanted to play up the creation and contrasting views of humanity more so than John had and focus on the, uh, a new monster instead of focusing on the xenomorph. So therefore, the xenomorph and the proto-xenomorph was reduced down to what we eventually see in Prometheus. One fucking scene. Final six weeks before filming was to start, Lindelof would have a meeting for three, four hours nearly every day with Ridley Scott to make sure they were clear on direction and that Ridley Scott was confident in what his new writer had to say. Uh, this was due to the lukewarm reception of loss, the ending of loss specifically. Hmm. Um, and Lindelof being ra- like essentially raked over the coals. Lindelof also wanted inc- to, uh, he wanted to add the creator looking for life angle, meaning Wayland. He was the, I- he was the one who wanted to bring Wayland back into the picture towards the end filming began on uh march 21st 2011 and we're back at pinewood studios back in england building practical sets that took up eight sound stages uh so like we're talking huge i mean obviously every set you see in the movie is real right final two weeks of filming was done in iceland uh this was done in july every outdoor shot you see uh, not only the beginning of the film, but when they're running around outside mm-hmm. uh, on LV-223, that's all shot in Iceland. Okay. I was uh, wondering that. Yeah. that was. It it's beautiful, looks, wasn't it's it? It's beautiful, and oh, it man. just looks so unearthly. Yeah. Uh, I, and just the beginning of this movie, like I was just like, wow, Like I forget how beautiful this movie is. Yeah. Of course, Ridley Scott is a huge practical guy, so he was adamant that every set be built. Uh, and initially asked for a budget of $250 million to realize this. Studio asked that he compromise in exchange for an R rating. So they were like, if you want to make your all your practical sets and you want $250 million, you got to give us PG-13. But of course, they came to a compromise and we got an R-rated film. 
Mm-hmm. Giger obviously was a source of inspiration for this film. Ridley Scott had kept a lot of original designs that Giger had done for Alien that went unused. Hmm. He would deal these out to the crew and be like, "This is what we're this is what we're going for." Like the mural, for instance, where we see like the what looks like an alien on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not only a tribute to Giger, but that was done essentially from a just like a quick sketch that Giger had done that was going to appear in the original Alien film. And a fun fact that they built these sets so real and so complicated that specifically the pyramid one, the crew members and cast would get lost because they really built all those tunnels like and how it connects. So in December 2011, Ridley Scott shows his final cut or his initial cut to Fox uh, and they felt like it needed a little bit more. It was too opaque. Um, so in January of 2012, right after the new year, Ridley Scott films new scenes. These included the introduction of Sean Holloway finding the hieroglyphs at the beginning of the scene because initially it was just going to start with the briefing. So you were going to get a lot of that cut off. So you get, And you also get David waking up and moving around mm-hmm. um, in there too. And the engineer disintegrating in the opening of the film. That was something else that was added because otherwise it wouldn't have, like it literally would have been just, well, you know, Kind of like, well, not quite like Aliens, but it would have just been the crew waking up. Mm-hmm. Here we go. April of 2012, Ridley Scott turns in his final cut to, uh, to Fox. They were pleased, thankfully. But something cool is that Ridley Scott was, this is his director's cut. He had final cut. Wow. Worked into his contract. And June 1st of 2012, Prometheus premieres and the rest is history. Simple. It's, uh, yeah. I mean, like, there are... Like, before we get into talking about the movie, like, let's talk about the marketing. Okay. Do you remember anything about it? Not really. Okay. Well, so they did, you know what a TED Talk is, right? Yeah. Well, they did a TED Talk, and they promoted it as a real TED Talk, um, and it featured uh, Peter Peter Whalen telling the story of Prometheus and then announcing David 8, that they were, they were, they were creating a real human. Or a, a, a robot real human. Right. Yeah. So real you couldn't tell it apart. And it was promoted as it was real. And some news sites reported it as real <laughs> on accident. Like that's how good it was. Which I mean, seeing uh, what's his name? The actor. Uh, Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce giving, like, I, I don't know how they wouldn't catch that. Like, but whatever. And maybe they were just blown away. I don't know. But <laughs> few few news outlets that were not paying attention was like, hey, we can report on this. To prevent leaks on the script, uh, actors can only read the script at the studio or in the pres- presence of a producer or Ridley Scott because they wanted this to be as much of a mystery as possible. And apparently the initial script fills in some of the blanks that the movie doesn't. But they didn't want the audience. They didn't want anybody to know these things. Hmm. There was also at Comic-Con and sometimes at random like engineering or science conventions, people would show up from Whalen Industries and hand out business cards. And on the business cards was a website. You go to it, you put in a code that was on the, the card, and you get to see uh, a David 8 commercial, an announcement of when the new model would be premiering, and that, and not only that, of when it would be uh, premiering, but the first known, or first build, rather, was going to be on Prometheus and its journey into space. So it gets a little thicker. Just just that's interesting because if the marketing is canon, does that mean that the entire world in Prometheus knows that there is a ship going to look for the creators of man? That's kind of an interesting thought. 
Yeah, I wondered that during the movie, actually. Yeah, like how, how who all knew of this? Yeah, be, well, because <clears throat> it would maybe explain I when we did the Alien podcast and I brought it up, I asked the question, have they, has, have our race seen other intelligent life forms before because their reactions to the engineer mm-hmm. is not that great, especially John Hurt's character. Oh, uh, you mean, yeah. An alien. Yeah. And because he just looks at it and looks away and then goes crawling down at the hole. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and there was one final viral video which shows uh, Shaw calling Waylon asking for funding based on their new find- findings. Uh, in my opinion, that should have been in the film, maybe, mm-hmm. because we go from Scotland to a ship yeah. all of a sudden. Like, just it, there's a huge gap there. I think that would have been nice. But, I mean, we, we obviously get it kind of explained as we go along anyway, so it doesn't matter. But I kind of like the idea of it being in there. And uh, really quick, one thing I left out was that since this is a geek-oriented podcast, like this is worth mentioning, uh, in 2007 they tried for another cartoon. And it was inspired by Star Wars The Clone Wars. It was going to be done in that style. Uh, it would follow a new group of colonial marines as they would be dropped into new environments to eliminate an alien threat. And the first season would have pre prologues and uh, yeah, it would have a pro- it would have like a mini episode and then a prologue. They would follow the newbie, and eventually by the end of season one, everybody except the newbie would die, and the newbie would become your main character for season two. Uh, Test reel was all that was ever made, and Fox eventually pulled the plug uh, as the reception to Clone Wars, the film was very lukewarm and they were like, eh, we're also going to make this for kids. It's going to diminish the brand. Hmm. But so we almost got another alien cartoon. Yeah. I, I don't understand that. Like I just, I don't understand R rated movies that get cartoons, especially like alien or something. Like, I don't know. I just don't get it. It's interesting. Like you guys said, like, so you guys watched this a few years ago. Yeah. It worked. The marketing worked on me. Yeah. I mean, the poster I, looks awesome. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. I actually did not see this in theaters. Hmm. I was really put off by the marketing. that They took the alien out of it. Oh, yeah. And so I was very curious about it, but I was like, no. Like, I, I just, I need, because I was, I was attached to it. I'd been attached for years because mm-hmm. it's, it's alien, period. And I felt like Fox was dicking it around and it was going to end up being terrible. So it was like, I need to let it just go through theaters and, and like I'll detach myself a little bit and look at it, look at it with maybe with better eyes. Kind of like maybe one day I'll look at uh, Lego Batman. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day I'll be able to appreciate Lego Batman because I was just not in the mood for a funny Batman movie like that, which you can hear on our Lego Batman podcast. Yes, shameless geekcinemapod.com. <laughs> so, we start out the film and uh just a question, did you guys know what was happening to the engineer at the start of the film? I don't remember. That was no. a long time ago. I assumed he was taking some of the water from one of the vials. But I mean, like did you see, did you see it as him creating mankind or anything like that? Did you put that together? Uh-uh. No, not at all. I don't remember. I yeah, I don't. I feel like. But I that didn't. would make more sense <laughs> than what I said. Yeah, I feel like. I was like, I why is he killing himself? I didn't know he was on Earth. Okay. He's in Scotland, isn't he? 
Well, he was. He it was could be on anywhere. Earth. Yeah. There were lots of cultures. But yeah. Um, but that wouldn't explain why all the cultures knew about them. Well, we're gonna get to that. But like, I. Yeah, there's a few questions I have. Even though I like this movie, I like this movie uh, there too. Are questions. But yeah, like I. Um, and I've heard a lot of people complain about this movie because the questions. And from alien fans. Right. And and I often wonder with those people like who did see it, who were already fans and they disliked it, are those people also fans of Alien Three and Four? <laughs> or is Because then they have nothing. Well, you know, like here's so I can't I can't tell you why um different cultures knew of the engineers other than there is this uh Let's see. I have a I have a blurb on it. Hold on. Okay, I've I've uh, I have a book. It's called the Wayland Utani Report because like I I read I read all this shit because I'm so into Alien, right? And it's an official pen by, um, pen by like the canon continuity people of the Alien series. It's where I pull a lot of the biology. Who aspect. are they? Uh, S.D. Perry is one of them, which he's done a lot of alien novels over the years. Um, Ridley Scott's a writer on it. Um, and James they all Cameron. have to all like this. It's like a committee who have they have to check it off. I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's that much, but I know essentially S.D. Perry goes collects information like, hey, like you came up with this new design. Tell me all about it, and I'm going to put it in this book, and we're going to make uh, we're going to make a Bible essentially. But in this Bible. <clears throat> Uh, the engineers of Prometheus uh, have been around, or have been dead, sorry, uh, for 2,000 years. It is believed the engineers that humans may have been on good terms until a specific event 2,000 years ago. Um, and now, after this said event, see humanity as a mistake. Hmm. Is, uh, okay. is So, like, if that's true, then, you know, like, we're talking, we're in 2093, Humanity was created at zero. You yeah. Know what I mean, so maybe that's how they appear in other cultures because they would visit <laughs> maybe for technological reasons. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, that was, that was something that I thought of, which if we're going to, we're going to talk about that. Let's just like this movie. I know you've not seen alien versus predator, but you're going to watch alien versus predator and you're going to be like, holy fuck. That's a lot like Prometheus. Okay. Like from them finding markings, Okay, to them visiting or to them traveling to said place. There's a huge briefing that involves a Wayland character. And when they end up or where they end up is a huge pyramid. Mm. There's a lot of very interesting similarities between these two films. And uh, the hieroglyphs mentioning like uh, all the different cultures are not only like present at the beginning of the film, but as you get into it, they find there's a room where they find markings for all of the human cultures saying like, okay, like obviously this is, uh, this is where, this is where the, all these languages came from in AVP. It's interesting, but that's, that's, that was my one big complaint with Prometheus. I was like, I feel like a lot of this was contrived from AVP Hmm. and I like AVP. I do. Um, I, I probably like AVP more than Prometheus, mainly the reason, because one, I think it's awesome to see it's fun and it's a popcorn monster movie flick and it's fun to see the alien tear into a predator. But I'm, I put alien versus predator ahead of Prometheus because I feel like Prometheus steals a bunch of those ideas. It 
and it was almost you know what six years earlier mm-hmm. so i have that issue with it but that's probably about my only real complaint about this film other than that i, I really like it i will tell you that immediately like whenever we see shaw and holloway and uh like i thought they had an there was something very interesting about shaw like she was like there was something i don't know she has kind of that it factor that actress um naomi rape Numi, is it Numi repeats? Yeah, it's two O's. Okay, I can I get yeah. I'm. She reminds me of Ellen Page. Terrible with names, but I I liked them. Did you guys like those characters? Yeah, yeah. I didn't care about the other. I one. liked Shaw. I don't think I liked the guy. I I hate Doctor Butler. But. I was ready for him to like, die. Yeah. <laughs> I like their dynamic, and they seem interesting as a pair. And like I said, like Shaw was immediate like, but as the film goes on, I'm just like. You were a dickbag. So. I think yep. I, I like yeah. that about him because he, you can tell, I, mean, I don't know, he's a complicated character. Like, he's got <laughs> issues. Yeah. Like, obviously, I, it, in my opinion, it seems like he has abandonment issues, probably from a father figure, because he's wanting okay, to know. Well, he asks that. He asks, why did <laughs> no, they no, leave no. us? No, you're totally right. Actually, both of them do. There was this whole subplot, and David kind of mentions it about her dad dying, mm-hmm. Shaw's dad dying. They both Ebola. have the, Yeah. They both have, okay. they both have those issues. Shaw's were just ripped out from the movie, hmm. um, and he at one point throws it in her face. Like there's a huge, there was like a huge like ten minute fight scene between the two, like argument kind of fight scene where she like he throws that in her face, and there's flashbacks to it, and you get a little bit more of a backstory. Um, Numi Raypace, I'm gonna say her name like that. If it's wrong, I apologize. Uh, was offered the role Shaw based on her performance in *The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo*. It's poor, just repace. Also considered was Anne Hathaway, Natalie Portman, and uh, Gemma. Art- Gemma. Gemma is that his name? Art. I no Art-, idea. Art. I don't know. I can't say her last name. Just forget it. Um, but Anne Hathaway and Natalie Portman were considered. Hmm. Uh, and actually, uh, what's her name? Char. Char. Charlize. Huh. Charlize. Charlize Theron almost played Shaw. But due to scheduling conflict, had to take a reduced role. I love her. Yeah. Uh, Numi was allowed to develop and create a back, uh, backstory for Shaw. All actors were encouraged to do such. The only one that did not get a kind of a say in that, but got a say in the personality, was Michael Fassbender. Um, he was the first choice to play David Eight. He modeled his voice after HAL 9000 from 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> and his look after David Bowie. Uh, Interesting, and not only that, he wanted his, and this is why I told you you should watch Blade Runner as soon as you could, is because he modeled his android behavior uh, closer to the replicants in Blade Runner instead of what you see in Alien and Aliens. I see that. So, like, and you just having watched Blade Runner, like you could, and what, and I can, see, it would make sense because not only are the androids in alien and aliens supposed to be more more in the future mm-hmm. so more human like probably ash is meant to be believed as a human mm-hmm. by the crew and then I, I guess bishop not necessarily but yeah he's much older which speaking of like this is the this is the first film and the only one in the entire series where we know right off the bat that somebody is an android and the crew know are completely aware that david's not human I thought that was very interesting. And they're all assholes to him. They are. It creates an interesting dynamic. Yeah, and I could see that. All, mm-hmm. the, yeah, like I said, uh, 
they're not to that point yet and i even took it as like a callback to alien when he she says i mean it could be taken a few ways when she says or was it her or charlie it was charlie he was talking to him about being a robot and he says something about them becoming too much like us and Mm -hmm. he says hopefully not hopefully not yeah and i thought well (laughs) yeah because ash sneaks on the ship but also obviously it's more so he doesn't want to be like the humans and their terrible race right which the tension between david and holloway like it is perfect and there's a great Mm -hmm. like that is a beautiful Mm build-up and like it starts small and there's just just a little bit and it just builds and it builds and it builds and of course at the end we see what happens but i will tell you uh and this kind of kind of it made me think of rick and morty says we made you uh, holloway says we made you because we could Mm -hmm. made me think of uh, rick and morty with the yeah the butter it's like what is my purpose you 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 cut butter or whatever yeah you serve butter you You pass butter butter. you pass butter he's like oh "Oh, god God. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um I thought him being awake was really interesting. Like, and the fact that he could look into their dreams. Yeah. That was, uh, we'd never seen that before. They have some neat technology. Yeah. Did you notice that David was bleaching his hair? Yes. Yeah. I was wondering what he was doing. I was like, is he got the milk stuff that he drinks <laughs> in his hair? <laughs> no, but there's actually a deleted scene where he's drinking that because that's actually what he uh, consumes to support his life support system. Well, when he's watching the movie, he has a glass of it. I thought that glass was green. It had white in it. Did it? Okay. Yeah. Um, it was just a very fancy glass. I was like, wow, this is a okay. nice place. But yeah, like uh, he's bleaching his hair. I thought that was very... Uh, very interesting and just just the fact like what is it what does somebody do whenever you have all that time well he learns he's not he learns things Mm -hmm. and he learns like he's not just programmed we're like i'm sure ash and call and them were programmed with all these different languages and stuff right from the get-go david had to learn Mm -hmm. i thought that was interesting i don't think david's new huh he acted like he, David's been around for a long time. So he said he considered him a son. So, Well, he'd been around for a while. But what I'm saying is like... Why would it, if they created him a long time ago, you would have to learn. Well, you would have to learn, but he didn't learn... Like he spent two years learning all kinds of different languages and stuff like that. Whereas I'm sure like the newer models like Ash and Bishop and Call had him programmed into him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was interesting that he... It was a really cool scene. Yeah. And he could just learn. Um, I was very impressed by the basketball bicycle. Yeah, yeah, that that was bicycle that was, ball. That was awesome. Um, bike, bike, bike. Sigourney ball. Weaver watched that and was like, "Oh man, how am I gonna that top that? I got, I gotta make another alien movie to way top that's that." Cool. He yeah. probably did it in one take. <laughs> um, he was practicing for weeks. <laughs> there's actually so he has emotion. Like they tell him that he doesn't understand things, but there was a scene where he does. He was watching Lawrence of Arabia, which he remarks that he likes. So if he likes something, he feels something about it. Uh, but he was crying during it, and the, like that scene was cut. Hmm. Then it's not canon. <laughs> it's not canon, but he did say he liked it, so he feels something okay, about yeah. it. Um, Ooh. I thought Vickers waking up and immediately taking on a workout—you kind of know this is a hard ass. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing is, it felt very intentional that way, and I was like, "Oh, it's a little forced." You think thought so? It was hot. 
Is that was hot? No, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, cause I got the scene immediately. Yeah. Uh, and and I noticed this time around, I didn't really put it together, but this is a Christmas movie. Oh, yeah. It is. It yeah. is a Christmas movie. I will watch this every fucking year and I'm not an excuse. <laughs> I like it. As the crew wakes up and we get to know them a lot, it felt like a mix of Alien and Aliens. Yeah. Because we get their kind of banter and like, I don't want to be your friend. I want to make money. You know, like we had, uh, we had Brett in the first one. It just felt, it felt a lot like that. And I liked, I liked, and I, I noticed it this time around that the question of what it means to be human, um, and what it, what it is entirely is put front and center. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, like after learning all the production, I was like, holy shit, like they really did like put that, like make it so. And then we have LV-223 instead of 426. Yeah. Was that confusing to you? Mm, not this time. Not this time? I mean, it wasn't confusing last time either, but. A lot of the reviews when this film came out were like, I don't understand. Like, did they, like some people thought they just had it wrong. Like it was supposed to be 426 and it was 223. Huh. When they go, eventually get into the pyramid and we see the the mapping devices, the pups. I mean the pups. That was cool. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, that was cool. It was a neat, it was a neat visual effect. Um, yeah. And it was interesting that they became a plot point later because they make such a big deal out of them whenever they're introduced. He's like, pups. And like, he's like, what does that mean? And like, and you watch him. And of course, uh, what's his name? Uh, Ginger it? dude. Uh, Fifield. Yeah, Fifield. Who I could not wait to die, like I was just like I'm ready. I'm ready for you to just be eviscerated from this movie. Like even howls about it. So they make such a big deal that I was I I don't know. First time around, I was like, really? Like, is this just kind of like a special effect? Look at me, kind of thing, or is this mm-hmm. gonna serve a purpose? And the tech here, speaking of speaking of the pups, uh, is like top notch. Whereas it like Alien, it's bottom of the barrel. We had. Did you notice that? Like mm-hmm. we have CRT monitors and. Alien, yeah. and here we have touchscreen, and everything's huge and holographic. Luckily, it's easy to explain away. Is it? Because they're on an industrial ship. Yeah, they're they are they are the, yeah they are the, they are the truckers of the galaxy. Yeah, essentially. But they did have some parts of the Prometheus ship that looked like the Nostromo, mm-hmm. um, specifically around like the med bay, uh, like when Shaw's like just gets oh, yeah. done. Yeah, you know what I'm talking it's very about. Very similar room. Yeah. I'm going to get into the engineers for a second. There's a lot of history to the engineers. Uh, They were originally just called the pilot uh, by Giger in 1979. Uh, The ship and the pilot were always soldiers and meant to be seen as such, delivering eggs. Uh, The alien eggs was actually a war strategy. Okay. Mm. The pilot was meant to be a human-machine hybrid, and the ship was meant to be an extension of his living being. They, an idea of how that could be done... Uh, was that maybe, for instance, an accident happened with like xenomorph blood, and it kind of melded to the ship? But it was never, it was never agreed upon between Ridley Scott and Giger. They went back and forth on what this thing was and what it wasn't. So it was constantly, it was constantly in flux. But it was for sure, for sure, a soldier, and he was for sure delivering eggs as weapons. During the making of Aliens, John Carpenter stated that uh, to him. Space jockey craft picked up the eggs from the alien homeworld and then crashed on LV-426 due to the engineer having a chest burster. So that was the history. That was the history that he gave um, and that it was, that would go on to appear on uh, like trading cards and things like that. So there's a piece of history. 
However, comics had their own point of view of the space jockey. Dark Horse was very keen to flesh out the this unsolved mystery out because it would be something that they owned. Because Dark Horse still to this day has the comic rights to Alien. Hmm. And if they create something and the studio chooses to use it, they have to license it out from Dark Horse. They have to pay Dark Horse money for their idea. So this went through a few different things, but like there's a comic called Aliens Outbreak and the space jockey race is shown to be malevolent. Um, the helmet in Prometheus is actually not a helmet. That's actually the face of the space jockey. So it kind of looks like uh, Cthulhu or like a like a squid anteater creature. In Outbreak, it's the sole remaining space jockey who teams up with the human race to annihilate the xenomorph threat. It's revealed that the space jockey wants to enslave humanity and terraform the Earth into another uninviting planet like LB-426. Of course, it doesn't end well for the space jockey. And uh, the space jockey also could not speak English. He was a uh, telepathic creature. So. And I'm guessing Dark Horse Comics doesn't care about the committee, the canon committee. Well, the canon committee book is new. But no, they did not. At the time, actually, like, Dark Horse had a say, like, whenever Alien vs. Predator was being developed, they had a say in how that was going to go down because they were the ones who put them together. Hmm. There was another uh, another comic, uh, Dark Horse Presents, that showed the space jockey meeting with the president, helping to stabilize the Earth's atmosphere, and then being assassinated for his technology. And that is how we had such advancements in the 90s and the 2000s of our technology. Because comics. Um, <laughs> and a, there was another one called Aliens Apocalypse. And it covered the actual the extinction of the space jockey race uh, 1.6 billion years ago by a simple face hugger uh, impregnating a space jockey, creating an uber space jockey xenomorph who would eradicate what was left of the race. And for the longest time, that was considered by uh, canon by all of the, uh, like, uh, future writers as to what happened to the space jockeys. <laughs> and then we get into the novels and the original 1979 alien novelization. Um, Ash knew, and this was actually in the script. Ash knew of the space jockey race describing them as larger and more intelligent humans. Uh, he also states that the space jockeys, they were trying to warn humans and other life forms away from the aliens. Um, the aliens were also found and not created by the space jockeys. There was another idea it presented an aliens earth hive where the space jockeys are kind of, uh, and this relates back to guardians of the galaxy. They were modeled after the collector. They would collect rare life forms and they were collecting xenomorph eggs whenever they crashed. And the guy who helped, who, who helped pen alien earth hive wrote for Marvel comics. Funny enough. But is this all a, kind of choose your own adventure or this is, is all prometheus non-canon canon. prometheus is canon okay. this is all non-canon the only thing that's canon well kind of possibly canon is that it's called fire and stone just came out recently uh it's a lone engineer who is supposedly the last remaining engineer stalking and killing xenomorphs um and slowly trying to figure out a way to eradicate the human race and this series was meant to feature Deacon and not the traditional xenomorph, but it was decided upon uh, to not use Deacon 
because they felt like it might conflict with the upcoming alien movie. But that is the Prometheus is the canon. This is all okay. just like this is this is what I've gone through as an alien fan, like learning like, oh, so that's what it is, and oh, that's what it is. Like constant rewrites and like alterations of what these things are, and we've come so far and now we have Prometheus and we have a complete explanation for what they are. Hmm. Which I very much appreciate. Well, I wanted to mention I Alien is my favorite uh-huh. of the franchise. And I think lots of people disagree with me, but I think this is very respectful of that movie. I agree. With that. Yeah. There's lots yeah. of cool callbacks, like especially you get it early in the movie after um, the engineer kills himself, and then you get the title card with yeah. the same design. That yeah. comes cool. in with the two lines of the the E and the T, right. which I don't know if that was anything there et uh, the first two letters that start showing up but i love that it was like oh yeah i know that now the first mm-hmm. time i saw it i didn't know but getting to see that back is awesome and then there was a there's a few different ones that I, I don't really quite rem- oh uh when they go outside of the ship mm-hmm. and you see her face cam mm-hmm. her her gopro view and she says, uh, uh, what was the Prometheus? Are you seeing this? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was very much a callback. Yeah. I, I, I loved the callbacks. I, I really liked the score. I noticed the score, um, a lot. Uh, it, it's very like grand, like the first film, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's got a little bit of electronic elements to it, which is nice. I feel like this movie is a little creepier than, than the other ones or maybe i don't know it's unsettling I feel, there's I feel, a lot of unsettling yeah. like tension in this movie which yeah. is what i was talking about with like with holloway and and david like it just it it keeps building and building and building and building and like there's a lot of shit like david poisoning holloway and then getting questioned by shaw and indirectly answering her mm-hmm. not telling her he did it just like no it's not contaminated it wasn't the air or whatever you know what i mean mm-hmm. there's so much tension yeah and it's still there and the whole time like right after she gets um the face hugger removed and she gets stapled up oh yeah after that scene throughout the entire movie every movement she makes like my mind just hurts thinking about that i'm like no no stop yeah and then she she runs and i'm like those staples would not stay shut like after all that stuff that she's doing and in my mind i was just ugh which speaking of the um, speaking, it's called so okay. That big thing that comes out of her is called uh, it's called the trilobite, okay. Uh. And it's actually based on. Uh, I thought it was called a squid billy. <laughs> right, uh, it's it's based on actually an extinct uh, arthropod of the same name. Ooh. Uh, early designs actually had it looking identical, but. Uh, so the engineer created those too. Well, it's actually it's unclear if it was due to intercourse or if it was just. If it was created due to the intercourse, being exposed to the black goo, then having intercourse, or if it was just simply like it created and lived, it was created by the black goo, goo lived in uh, Holloway, and then transferred to This Shaw. is one of the many questions that people have about this movie. <laughs> right? And, and I have it, even though I really like the movie. It's I just, Maybe I just haven't thought about it enough, but uh-huh. what does the black goo do? And okay. That rhymed at the end and it was unintentional. Well, okay. Because we see it yeah. at the beginning of the movie. This guy drinks it. 
Yep. He falls apart. Yep. And then the human race is cree is born. <clears throat> we see it again with these little millworms or whatever yeah, the, crawling through the sand and they turn into evil snake things right. which then turn another guy into a zombie uh-huh who starts killing people no 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 no, no. he didn't no, no that, that was, was the goo- he got the goo- he landed face oh, first oh yeah 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 right right sorry sorry that happened to him yeah so okay we'll talk about the goo and i'm going to i'm just going to it's there's a name for it it's a chemical A03956X91115 because I'm a total geek and I know that that is what it's called. But uh, you're gonna have to source that. Too. I'm just I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call it. The, I will. I'll send you a picture. Uh, just call it. We'll just call it the uh, the chemical or the black goo. But the thing is, so okay, those urns that held it. Whenever we see it the first time, uh, it looks like it's leaking. It's actually not. The environment changes, and based on the environment changing, it releases. Because it's sensing that it can do what it was designed to do. And what it was designed to do was to create new life. The engineers designed it as a way to create new life whenever they would terraform planets. Often mixing with whatever they might, like uh, like plant life they might find on said island. Or maybe it would be mixing plant life found on said planet mixed with another planet. Sometimes you get creatures, sometimes... You never knew what you were going to get. That was the entire point of the black goo. That is what it does. It mutates. It's random on how it mutates. It's based on a lot of different variables. So if you control those variables, it will always mutate in the same way. Humans were seen as an abomination because the engineers were never meant to be exposed to this chemical for fear of what it might do. So in other words, the engineers want to eradicate the humans because they're afraid that they're going to eradicate the engineers. Like they are an abomination Mm -hmm. that goes against their whatever code they might have. Um, and a fun fact, you've seen the mummy movie, right? From like 1999, Brandon Fraser. Yeah. The black goo wasn't going to be black goo. It was actually going to be a bunch of scarabs in the initial script. Oh, <laughs> like I was kind of like, huh? Like that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Space scarabs. Yeah. Creepy. There's a deleted scene actually where David, uh, drinks the black goo. But it does nothing to him hmm. because he's synthetic. Right. Well, it's yeah, just strange is... to me that every creature that it creates is essentially just a predator that we see in this movie, at least. It is. Besides um, humans. I guess humans are predators in ways. Yeah. But you ruin things. I, yeah. I mean, we, cause we see, we see the, we see the creature from Shaw. We see the, the snake. Uh, it's called a hammerpede creature, which was meant to be a, a proto yeah. a proto face hugger. It's actually a full scale puppet, by the way, in the film. Really? Yeah, it's it's made up of like uh, nine different layers, and with a like kind of based on just a simple snake uh, puppet. That arm break scene, though. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, um, man. But yeah, and that was like you said, like it was created based on the goo touching the black or touching the worms. Mm-hmm. I think the reason why it reacted with uh, uh, what's his name, Fifield, Fifield, oh. in the way that it did is because Fifield's got a lot of he's Mister Angry Eyes. Like he might as well be Mister Potato Head walking around with fucking angry eyes oh. and a red mohawk. Mm. Like he's got a lot of anger in his system, and not only that, like he had uh, he had the 
was it was the acid it was something from the the hammerpeed creature get on his on his mask yeah yeah and melted to his face and then he hits the black goo for god knows how long and then we see that creature which uh that creature was initially meant to be more uh more of a xenomorph like his head was going okay there's there's scenes uh that they actually did and you can see on the blu-ray where his head looks more like a xenomorph foreshadowing that xenomorphs when you get human with the black goo you kind of get a xenomorph so kind i'm of. i'm, I'm tr- starting to get a grip of this okay <laughs> so these engineers uh-huh. they have they do do <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> they do deal with war type stuff. Yeah. Because they have the eggs supposedly for war purposes in the alien movie. And at the end, we see it create a xenomorph type creature mm-hmm. from this black goo chain. Right. So are we supposed to believe that even though the black goo doesn't have necessarily any negative motives it just creates life through a certain particular design they can use it to create the xenomorphs that's kind of what i got and i initially on watching this movie i was like okay so black goo plus a human being uh plus uh like uh an engineer would create a xenomorph Mm mm-hmm if you had some, like, because you mix the black goo with a human being, you get the other creature, and then you mix it with the uh, engineer, it creates the the deacon creature. And somehow you go from that to a xenomorph. And I don't know how that happens, but I will tell you that in Alien Covenant, we're obviously going to find out because all the marketing shows a very familiar-looking xenomorph, yep. traditional look. And about deacon, uh, so he was originally, like I said, like it was going to be the film's primary monster. The third act was all going to be based around him. Uh, he was meant to be the creature in the scene where they are walking through the uh, chamber and you see the mural. He meant to be that. He was meant to be that creature in the mural, hmm. uh, just kind of foreshadowing and warning them that, hey, like if you fuck with this stuff in a bad way, that's what's going to come after you. And it was called Deacon because it reminded Ridley Scott of the hats that deacons wear due to his head shape. It's really as simple as that. There's no Boy. special thing behind it. Huh. And an interesting thing about this is that the initial writer of Prometheus, John Spatz, he really liked Alien 3. Oh, wow. It, okay. So he has bad taste. So, so the trilobite, right? The big thing that comes out of Shaw, mm-hmm. that idea came from the Queen Facehugger idea presented in Alien 3. And then this deacon creature was going to be a young queen alien that's what i thought the way that the mouth did the thing yeah did the thing did did the thing uh you know it, it looked like a queen yeah so it was gonna be it was gonna be a queen um and in that initial uh, i thought it was adorable it's terrifying and in that initial it. third act um it was gonna end very much like alien it was gonna end with shaw on the escape ship and blowing it out of the ship in space, into space. Wow, that would have been disappointing. Third time, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, uh, third time. Alien, aliens, and alien Prometheus. Yeah. Uh, what about alien? Um, resurrection. Resurrection. They blow it up. They 
Well, they kind of blow it into space in a sense. It gets sucked, sucked out. out sucked into, into oh, space. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. That is totally different. Not I don't know. know. It's no, still had to do with blowing in space. So much harder. Has to a watch. lot more like yeah. They spiced like, it up, but it's like the same glances thing. Glances away from the screen during it. Yeah, it is it, the same concept, just spiced up. Um. Ter- it was terrifying. Yeah, it was though. I'd definitely rather have <laughs> one or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if it were up to me. But yeah, and like I, w- if that was gonna be the queen, it would make sense because it's like okay, like here's the initial queen alien, and now now we're gonna get all the eggs. But they did not. Uh, they did not go that way. Um, I have a question, which is, what the fuck were the engineers running from? What killed them all? Yeah, I was wondering that too because wasn't it? Z- no, I guess it wouldn't have been Xenomorph. We never see what. Yeah, yeah. and there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. And you see how hard that one big squid creature uh, had taking down the one engineer. Yeah. So what the? Yeah, that's it. Was very confusing to me too because I don't know where where are they running from is a question I had about that. I mean, obviously this place is way bigger than we actually get to see, mm-hmm. but I feel like they were running to the escape ship. But I'm wondering where from, because they run right through the oh, chamber yeah. where all the vases are. Yeah. I guess they might have an experiment lab or something that they were trying stuff out in. Well, there was something a, went wrong. There was also like a network of ships, because mm-hmm. underneath the surface there. So if there's a network of ships, this could have been. This is obviously like an engineer base. This is not even a. This is not even like their home world. We obviously get to see that later, but um, I would assume that maybe. I don't know. Maybe they were on another ship and everybody just piled into this one to take off. I don't know. But I'm I'm so curious like I is I could find no no anything on what killed them. Hmm. Is so, the Alien Covenant a direct sequel to Yes. Prometheus? Yes. Interesting. So and the only question is is will we end with more questions or answers? I I hope I hope answers. Yeah, I'm hoping answers. Mm. I'm wondering. I have known nothing of the film. I, I haven't either. looked at anything. Yeah, I've. I'm alien pure. The one thing I want from it mm-hmm. is something new. Basically, I want to see. I want to see a baby, baby Deacon. It's gonna be way more action oriented. I can. Or I, I can tell you that. Um, like I'd like to see more of the engineers. But yeah, as far as far, I mean, you know, I want Xenomorphs. I can't imagine it's gonna end with our two titular characters having a happy ending because we have movies after this where mm. the company's still going after these things. Right. Um. I I don't know. It seems way more action oriented. I counted so much so that I wanted to count the action scenes in Prometheus. We have three in a over a two hour movie and. A couple of those scenes only last for maybe 30 seconds. Yeah, they are short, but the... Character drama is top-notch. The uh, engineer versus the squidbilly scene mm-hmm. is one of my favorite uh, fight scenes in this whole franchise. So, okay. Well, let me tell you a little bit about something. Um, that scene was way longer. Um, it initially was Shaw... Versus the engineer with an axe going as far as like cutting part of its hand off. <laughs> um, and uh, her barely making it down the tunnel 
to let that squid creature out. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I liked oh, it. with that huge... I, I will tell you, the first time wa- I watched this, whenever she let the squid creature out, I was like, where the fuck did that come from? Like, I didn't catch that it was the... You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it happened so fast. Uh-huh. And that made it so much different than, like, every other horror movie ever. Because if, mm-hmm. if she had, like, fought him a little bit and then finally got into it, it would have felt a little... Over... Yeah. Done before. Done before. I've seen it. Yeah, I get that. And so it just she just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And I was like, that's, that's original, which I mean, it's, and I don't know, it's, it's a slow, it's a slow film, but it's a good build. Uh, it takes over an hour before we even see a creature. I mean, we see the engineer in the opening, but we don't see that first little snake creature, uh, till over an hour in. Hmm. Uh, Is that that and then point we, that everything and then we just get, starts exploding. Everything does real, goes real bad. Yeah. Like, we get we get Seth's favorite kind of porn, which is tentacle porn. That's right. <laughs> uh, there was how'd a, you know, Matt? There was this. Uh, <laughs> I've seen um, so on Instagram. There was this clothing company selling. They were like baseball shirts almost, and it just says hentai on it. And I was <laughs> like, Seth, I'm gonna Seth, buy you this yeah. for your birthday. <laughs> I want it. Yeah. Which after we see that first creature, and we get the slow death of Holloway, which was kind of hard. It was really hard to watch, especially his death scene. Oh, yeah. Like this movie is full filled with a lot of really painful scenes that are just hard to. They're not gory, but they are hard to watch, yeah. and you just feel it. Yeah, it's, it's well, it's also very uh, varying in death. Whereas in Alien, everybody dies the same way. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Uh, aliens. Same, same way. way. Same way. I mean, a few people get blown up. A few people get singed from acid blood. But more or but less the same way. More or less, yeah. Yeah. But this, like, we got people getting their faces smashed. We got people getting their faces burnt by their own helmets. Yeah. Did you guys think in any way, shape, or form that Vickers might have been an android? No. No. I thought she might be because David was blonde. Oh, And yeah. she's blonde as well. And, like the way they talk to each other, I was like, maybe, because she seems very, very robotic, very by the numbers for the first part of this film. Mm. I mean, I, she still does until her death, but eventually we realize she's human. I wanted more from her. Like, I Vickers. thought she was really cool. Yeah. Like, there's something about her that I liked. Yeah. But that death is just so pathetic. Yeah. Them running the away from that ship. Why do you keep that running in ship. line? What? What, what are zigzag, you doing? Zigzag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I've never been so frustrated just watching that. Like you idiot. This trailer spoiled that too. It was the end of every trailer. Just about you'd see ah, then you'd see it coming down on her, and then it would flash and it'd do that sound, and then it was Prometheus. Seth and I both uh, looked at each other and mouthed. What, what a, a twist. twist after after she's <laughs> called him father. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. Like, I don't I, remember if I saw that coming during the original. Yeah. I th- I'm sure when she's in the room. No, I don't know. Like I they, can't remember. They I'm built her say. up to be something, and then they kill her in the dumbest way. Like, she had the stupidest death in this I movie. think I knew she was going to die. I even, I even wrote that down. I wrote down father, and then I wrote down Seth face. <laughs> because I looked at you when that happened. Like I was like, is it a twist? That's why I asked if you had seen this. I, you know, it's just been I, so long. I, I remember yeah. certain parts. I remember the, the surgical part. Right. But you probably you saw it coming this time. Um, or did you not? 
did it twist you? It twisted, it, it twisted like me. Twisted. I had forgotten I that. Yeah. I guess I had yeah, the whole movie. I remember. Actually, not the whole movie. I remembered when she says, "What did he say?" Yeah. And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, she's his daughter, isn't she?" Yeah, because we saw this. What month did this come out? Uh, June. June. Yeah. So we probably saw this in 2012. Yeah. It was like right after it came out on Blu-ray, we saw it. So after after we get the uh, little bit with Holloway getting poisoned, we get this eerie walk uh, through the cargo chamber and to the bridge from Alien, like you know where the ship. Yeah. Okay. So we get we get to see that, and this whole movie, like the first time I saw it, I was like, where? Like, are we gonna see that? Like, how does I my 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 end for this movie? I will tell you, I saw. So like with Rogue One, right? I saw that ending coming a mile away. Hmm. With this one, I was like, okay, like it's going to end with the jockey crashing onto 426. Like as soon as they said that it was on LV-223, I was like, okay, so it's going to take off and crash on 426 and bam, like that's how it got there. It was completely wrong. But like I the whole movie, I was waiting to see that, that, that area, that hmm. specific space. Yeah. Wait, yeah. I'm confused by that. By what? The ship. Um, so it's a different, is it a different planet or what? what? It's a different planet. Yeah. It's LV, we're it's on LV. Moon. It's a moon. Yeah. We're on LV 223 and not 426. Hmm. And the ship. So it's not the same one. It's not the same ship, no. but it's the same build of a ship. It's right. the same model that the derelict ship was. Interesting. Yeah. And I actually couldn't remember the ending either this time watching it around. Uh-huh. And so I thought that when he was leaving, I'm like, is he going to? Is it gonna? Is it gonna be the same ship? And then I was like, no, because we haven't seen the egg chamber or anything, so it's probably not the same ship. Right. And then I, then they did the crash thing, and I was like, oh yeah, now I remember. Because I was trying to remember. I remembered them having to run away from the ship falling. <laughs> right. And I thought was thinking that it was their own ship, but then when it crashed, I'm like, oh, it's that ship. That's right. Right. I I had the thought that um, this time around, like I was like, could there have been engineers? In Alien, could there have been engineers in cryosleep in Alien that we just didn't hmm. see? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because yeah. they like that one would have never woken up if it wouldn't have been for David. Uh, yeah. How did you guys feel about Shaw? Like, so we had this interesting maternal uh, dimension to her character where she couldn't have children, but she obviously wanted. She obviously wanted children. Mm. Did you guys feel like she was? too close to Ripley or do you do you feel like she stand stood on her own she definitely stood on her own she has I mean like I said I like our our couple because of their issues and I see more in her. I see some in her too at the end even though we didn't get the stuff with her father but it seems like she's self-conscious mm-hmm. of herself because he even asks her like she's yelling at the engineer why why did you why are you wanting to destroy us right and then at the end he asks does it matter if why mm-hmm. and she s- says yes and so i'm thinking well maybe she's like was it because of what i did and right cool. which i guess there, there is a lot of uh symbolism between like man and god in this and oh yeah uh punishment and whatnot yeah i i felt like she stood on her own yeah um but Whenever 
as we got closer to the end, I was like, please don't just turn into like a, all of a sudden be a hard ass like Ripley character. Like, don't don't do She's that. She's definitely resilient. She's resilient, but the original ending uh, for this film, where she takes off with uh, where she takes off with David, um, she asks him like what she what the engineer had said about where he came from. David uh, David tells her it roughly translates to paradise, and then she grabs his head. Or uh, hold on. Uh, she asked, David asked what she hopes to achieve by going to this planet, going to paradise. Shaw replies because she wants to know why they created humanity and then tried to destroy us. David, of course, tells her that he doesn't understand why she uh, Shaw ever would want to do that. And Shaw looks at him dead in the eyes and says, it's because you're a fucking robot and then slams his head in the bag and the movie ends. <laughs> I guess that I could see fit. it's kind of that'd that be kind of Ripley esque in the sense of like maybe the third movie. Yeah, yeah. Like I felt like that was too much Ripley. But I could see her similar to Ripley in the f- in Alien. Yeah. Or but she kind of. Even... I can see her. She kind of makes think of uh, you know in resilience. Uh, Michelle in Ten Cloverfield Lane. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't the hard. She wasn't the soldier that Ripley would go on to become, like an aliens, which yeah. is what I was afraid was going to happen. So I, I, I very much appreciated that. So I told you the original writer liked Alien Three, and what do we get in this film? We get Shaw, Shaw being impregnated and looking at herself on an X-ray machine and mm-hmm. freaking out, like, "What is it? Let me see it!" Like that was directly lifted from Alien Three, and even David says, "We don't have the technology." To take it out of you. That was a line directly lifted from Alien 3. That's What a twist. Yeah. What a twist, Seth. So eventually Peter, Peter Whalen appears and we see him and all the viral marketing. He was a young man and in this he's an old man. What did you think about the makeup effects? I didn't care for it. Yeah, they weren't that great. It's one of the few things I don't care about like, this movie. Yeah. It just looks... It looks too old. Like yeah. It looks... Yeah, it looks like he's a corpse. And I don't understand. I assume it's supposed to be that he's been preserving himself for a long time. Like he's like near 100 years old. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like real I, old. I, I I don't know. Um, I don't understand why they had to use Guy Pierce and not just an old actor. Well, I have a reason for that. Okay, good. Um, Hold on, let me get there I on my notes. I think that's the only production question I had. But okay, so Max von Sandow was the initial choice to play Peter Whelan. Um, it went as far as even getting him suited up, like for costumes mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, but eventually, Ridley Scott changed his mind uh, because he would re- he felt like the de aging effects uh, that we had seen in movies looked too uh, cheesy. So, and they needed. They needed a younger Peter Wayland. And initially, there's two reasons for this. Initially, it wasn't going to be just for the viral marketing. Uh, we were going to see... Okay, so in the movie, we see David standing there and he, uh, before we ever meet Peter Wayland in present day, talking to Peter and then putting him back to sleep, right? And you see him have his hand on the on the cryotube. Mm-hmm. You were going to go into, into Peter's dream David's walking along a beach. He eventually meets up um, with a young Peter Whalen on a yacht in the middle of an ocean. And he, uh, 
Uh, he basically tells... Hold on. Uh, he basically tells uh, Waylon that... Uh, or Waylon tells da uh, David to not bother him uh, and that it doesn't matter why he was created. Nothing matters. So, so David sees a dream of Peter telling him that nothing matters. And it's a young Peter. And due to Ridley Scott feeling like the de-aging effects at the time were not up to par, decided to get Guy Pierce because it was e easier to do the traditional of aging somebody instead of de-aging somebody. Hmm. But Max von Sandow, who you've seen in numerous things, I'm sure. Okay, so he's been in like classics like, uh, like old oh, James Bond film. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so he was Sir Walter Loxley in Robin Hood, 2010. Yeah. Um. Which he was uh, Lor San Tekka. Yeah, in Force Awakens. He's in Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that guy. We saw him in a movie recently. He was in Dune? Yeah, he's in Dune. Yeah. So that was going to be... He was also in Ghostbusters too. Vigo. Oh, but yeah, okay. He was going to be... He was going to be Peter Whalen. They just decided to... Yeah, I just... I feel like Ridley's mind there is a little off because uh -huh. my thinking is you don't need to de-age him uh -huh. for the younger character. Just hire a different actor because by that point they don't look anything alike. Cause sure. I didn't even know. It doesn't even look like Guy Pearson. No, movie. no, it doesn't. Like I, if it wasn't for the opening credits, I wouldn't have known it was him. Like I remember seeing Guy Pierce's name and later in the movie, I'm like, who was, who he? is he? Yeah, I don't yeah. remember. And then I'm like, Oh, he's going to be the old Wayland guy that shows up later. Right, so that there you go. That's why that happened, huh? Which I mean, around this time, 2012. What can you remember? What movies were coming out? I know we had uh, we had the weird but not so bad uh, de aging in X Men: The Last Stand. Um, wasn't oh, this wait. Iron Man? The first one I remember doing really well was uh, Tron Legacy. Ah, uh, yeah, 2010. But if you look at that, like the younger, while the younger Jeff. Uh, Bridges. Bridges looks great. He still looks like he has a rubber mouth. Hmm, yeah. And that was the one thing that bothered me about it. Like He looks like he has a, a rubber mouth. And so we go on a little bit further uh, after Waylon's introduced and we meet the final engineer and we get a conversation that was initially extended between David and the engineer. It was David asking, David saying that these people have come here from Earth. They believe you invited them. And the engineer replies, what do you want and where did you come from? And then David says, this man is here because he does not want to die. He believes you can give him more life. And then the engineer rips David's head off because it's insulting. Um, but where did you come from? Where did you go? Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the, there was an initial like extended scene. But I mean, you kind of see what happens in the movie, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, when it was coming up, I thought I remembered there being subtitles, but... Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm sure it's... This movie has a 72% on the tomato meter and 68% of audience audience score, and I can see that type of stuff confusing lots of audiences. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, what is what happened? I don't understand. Why, do you, why it, did he turn... Why did he rip his head off? Yeah, and I mean, just the question of, like, the black goo and, like, what exactly it can or can't do because it has so mm -hmm. many various effects in this film is kind of can be kind of frustrating mm -hmm. and it's an alien prequel, but yet there's no xenomorphs in it. Right. I mean, uh, 
Oh well, we got Deacon. we got we get Deacon, and then we get. I mean, we get the imagery. We get the imagery of the engineer setting into the chair and then hooking up mm-hmm. uh, into his suit. That was cool, which was awesome to see. So I mean, you get the imagery of that, but there's no real, no real substance to like what it was going, what people thought they were getting. Yeah, but yeah, and then and we get Deacon, and that's the end of the movie. They're it's off so to cute. they're off to paradise. They're off to the home world. Which is where Alien Covenant picks up. I'm excited, honestly. I am too. Super I think excited. I am. I am too. I really love this movie. That's what I. I yeah. What yeah. I the like, only yeah. thing that I didn't like of this movie, I wanted to say, well, besides Charlize Theron's death. Yeah. Um, I thought it was weird that her suit alerts her at two minutes. That is too low of oxygen. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like 10 like, minutes. shouldn't it give you a little more time to get I back f- to the ship I felt like that was because her pack got disconnected and so that was just the air that the suit holds within it maybe yeah, that's what I was assuming too that's, that's kind of what I thought because she lost her pack along the way oh I didn't see that okay thank you I, 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 I got a lot of answers I don't have them all but like I I, I tried to do as much thorough research on this thing because there are a lot of people did have a lot of questions and things like that um my favorite scene is probably the intro to david intro to david yeah i like it i mean i was very very amused by it the first time i first time was probably more like "Hmm, what's all this happening i didn't know he was a robot i'm sure yeah unless the trailers told Hmm. you that Uh, i mean viral marketing that was a uh and then watching this time it's just very entertaining and which speaking of viral marketing before we completely leave like i haven't seen a film with much viral marketing since since this one like this one comes to mind and the dark knight comes to mind um because the dark knight had a bunch of joker stuff right but i don't remember i I can't think of any other movie since then that's really done much marvel movies do it with youtube because they have a uh, a youtube channel that's called whih news mm-hmm. and they're it's basically fake news fake. broadcasters sitting at the desk the one of them's the girl from iron man oh okay who's like the reporter that's yeah like getting mad at him through the whole thing uh and they're just talking about the events that happen and so like some set up some movies mm-hmm. and some like some follow in yeah some in between interesting yeah. okay so they, they do that but nothing like hidden messages and stuff like that right as far as they i'm aware have the um one shots yeah not anymore yeah not anymore yeah i don't know just, just a thought uh my my favorite scene like was was david exploring the the bridge area and mm-hmm. bringing up the 3d map of the it universe looks great my mm-hmm. god is it beautiful like yeah like the, the practical sets look awesome but the actual cg effects are really good too it looks so much better than what i just fucking watched and what i just the independence day thing and that was made in 2016 mm-hmm. and like this was made in 2012 really With 2011. relatively low budget yeah for 160 as, million as big dollars as it is yeah mm-hmm. Mine's a split between them first going into the room with like the large head and the 
what are they called? The vase looking. Oh, things? the urns. The urns. Yeah. And you see the mural and stuff. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool, but I like the reveal of the deacon because I I just think it looks so awesome. Yeah. That scene kind of bugged me. Really? Because it's just kind of stamped in on. and out. Oh. With the black, and I'm yeah. like, this feels like a trailer. <laughs> kind of does. Kind of does. Yeah, yeah I, I like the design of the deacon and stuff, and I loved the mouth. Where it just pops at the yeah. end. Yeah. Oh, I thought that looked so cool. It does. Yeah. I wish that I could have seen it kill someone. I wonder if we'll ever <laughs> see it again. I'm really curious to see if it's in the new one in I any way, so. shape, or form. Kendall, do you have a favorite scene? You've been quiet most of this time. No. She hasn't even said if she likes this movie. I don't think she likes this the series at all. Actually, uh, this is probably my favorite. More so than Resurrection? Well, see, no one asked me my history of the movie when the podcast started, but I was going to say my memories of the Alien movies from my childhood. I just realized that none of them are accurate. None of the movies were what I thought they were. Um, I made up movies in my head from pieces of all the movies. I don't know how I did this. Um, but the movie Life that we watched, mm-hmm. that would be my alien movie if it were alien and not, you know, Life. Darwin or whatever the thing is. It was like, really good. It was, that would be alien. Like, that's what my brain, when I think of alien, I think that movie, but take out Darwin and put in, or Calvin. It's Calvin, right? Yeah. Take out Calvin and put alien in there. And Interesting. That, that would have been my... That's what my brain thinks Alien of is. like the process of what the movies were. Okay. And so far, none of the movies are that and none of them are what I thought they were. So hmm. I like this because it kind of felt like that. I figured he covered your history because he rented the movie and watched it with For you. For this movie, just yeah. not all of them in general because I've been trying to figure out why every single time we watch one of the movies, it's not what I thought but it was. this one of the entire franchise. This is, is the most your, fresh for me. Probably your favorite. Yeah. Interesting. What's your favorite scene? Oh, you said you don't have a favorite scene. Not really. The whole thing. I guess when she freaks out and randomly beats the crap out of everybody and goes and has a random C-section. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Seems crazy. And that stupid lady smacking her in the face. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Shaw. Are you hey, awake? Shaw. That went on for too long. It I did. felt like that was, was like uh, a minute of my time that's gone. That's really why she hit her. It was um, Liza. I know. Oh, I'm that's not weird. an idiot. Yeah. Liza her, Minnelli? Her accent was different, but. No idea what strange. you're talking about. Um, from Game of Thrones, Liza. Oh. I guess that's it until Covenant, and then we got Alien 2, and then we're. Is that next? Done. Oh yeah, because well, then this we gotta comes fi- out next week. Then we gotta figure out if we want to go through the. Well, one day when you feel like guilty pleasures, we'll go through Alien. I think I'll like those more. Alien vs Predator. Yeah. Can Which I don't get? know if they're guilty pleasures or not. I don't know what the ratings are, but I know the second one is not well received. I want to go to bed. Oh, okay. It's ten thirty. Go to bed. It's ten thirty. It is. I'm getting old over here. I'm turning into a pumpkin. My skin's already warm. Yeah, I fell asleep twice, so. Mm. It's because I ran. I still need to eat dinner. So <laughs> what a goober! <laughs> Matt is about to to grow leaves and vines and stuff. Just shove them down your throat, Seth. Oh, just man. like your favorite kind of porn. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> eat it, just like the squid billy guy. Hey guys, thanks once again for listening to Geek Cinema Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or your podcast app. 
and join us next week for Alien Covenant. Well, I say next week. It's going up on Sunday. And then on Wednesday after that, we're doing the 20th anniversary of The Fifth Element. Seth's never seen it, so I'm really excited to show it to him. Um, and it's one of mine and Kendall's favorite movies, so I'm. It's it's in my top ten most forward look to podcasts within the next two three weeks, which we've only got three podcasts planned. So anyway, uh, give us a review on iTunes if you would like to. It help would help us out a ton. Also, go say hi to us online at Facebook.com/slash/GeekCinemaPod. Twitter.com slash GeekCinemaPod or on Instagram at GeekCinema or you can send us messages through our website GeekCinemaPod.com Say hi, give us suggestions for movies you would like us to discuss on here. We're having a ton of fun. Um, It's been over a year and I don't want to stop. I'm loving this. So we will see you guys on Sunday. Bada bing, bada boom.